0: Welcome all to The Mandalorian Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for the Outer Rim Territories. My name is Matt, and joining me in the living borders beneath the minds of Mandalore is Pete. Hello there, Pete. What up, all my Mandos
1: and Mandats? The Mandalorian Podcast by Fantastic Geek dons our helmets for Chapter 12, The Convert.
0: Pete, looking from this story universe to the Star Trek universe, uh, today we're going to talk about uh, an unlikely person looking for redemption. Um, Tomorrow on Picard's podcast, same thing. Weirdly, what's up with that? The stars is aligning as we talk uh, Star Trek Picard episode 305 tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that discussion. can't believe we're halfway through
1: the final season three. Air quotes Matt for Star Trek Picard, but back to Star Wars. Uh, writer Damon Lindelof, uh for a while now linked to an undisclosed Star Wars film project that our old friend uh director from uh Ms. Marvel uh is attached to. Uh but the other day an article here that he might make a star wars he might not he's still deciding
0: pete separate from you know maybe lucasfilm uh and by extension disney being a little too a little too out ahead of um the developing different star wars films in terms of we're gonna announce the patty jenkins rogue Squadron. we're gonna do this we're gonna do that. maybe they got a little bit ahead of their own with their own pr fervor but i think another interesting kind of thread in the last three four five years if if you want to go back to uh the last jedi and ryan johnson and his plans for broom kid and his own trilogy and all that it seems to me that even separate from corporate stuff or which way is the wind blowing in terms of streamer or theatrical or all that things it seems that it's incredibly tough to make a star wars film you might say yeah it's tough to make any film let alone star wars but my point is this all these writers kind of line up I, I'm, I'm suspecting all these writers line up and they're excited and all of a sudden they sit down and go how do i make a two hour and 15 minute star wars movie that's really great and i feel like i'm suspecting that for them it's super daunting versus hey by the end of the season of the mandalorian we are going to have uh what a uh, an episode that is the 24th least great episode and i don't think anybody's like star wars is dead their emergency this and the other there's just gonna be an episode where you go "Ah, eh, that's the one i really don't love as much as the others and it's almost like tv gives a little bit more place to play longer term to play with things to sit and go this was a filler this week and then two weeks later you go oh my goodness now i see how important it was whereas you, damon lindelof patty jenkins uh kevin feige you know, and on Ryan Johnson and on and on. You need to deliver something great and it needs to be in a hundred and forty page script and it's like yikes, I don't know what to do. Far be it
1: for me to criticize the man born in the same town that I was, Teaneck, New Jersey. Um and again considering him a, a screenwriting idol, but he's had, you know, all time success on TV, Lost, Leftovers, Watchmen, okay? And not so much for film, Prometheus, uh, things on that level. Um, The quote here that he says, if it can't be great, it shouldn't exist. That alone, Matt tells me he's the guy if he wants to do it, but he goes on to say that uh, he thinks it's possible that sometimes you hold something in such high reverence and esteem. You start to get in the kitchen and you just go, maybe I shouldn't be cooking. Maybe I should just be eating. Um, he's doing press right now for uh, Mrs. Davis, which is the the new AI show um not written by AI <laughs> it's about AI and a religious uh connection to that for peacock uh he was at the south by southwest uh you know proceedings last week but uh you know so he may not do this um that's fine With me if he walks away, I just wanna again say I'm available and I hold Star Wars in super high esteem. Uh I'm not afraid of getting in the kitchen.
0: Well, as we start to talk more and more about Mandalorian here, Pete, uh Lindelof talking about, you know, the chef metaphor, I'm reminded of the writer director of the movie chef, John Favreau, whose thesis of the movie was let me stop doing fine dining and instead do the food truck the things i want the kind of the the more earthy less high stakes thing here he is with mandalorian uh and in a starwars.com article talking about you know how this is an extended play with the figures and the toy chest and and so forth and here he is here he is in the food truck of sorts that nonetheless is very well received uh along with of course dave filoni
1: Yeah. And talking about how they've planned this out and how, uh, you know, they had some fresh snow for a while. And I think in particular with this episode that we're about to talk about and then, you know, the secret pieces of the puzzle still Ahsoka skeleton crew that things are going to really start to intersect Uh, Favreau says that Filoni is really the pivot point for all of it, and he's the guy that you obviously want, keeper of that kind of stuff, you know, somebody that George had anointed and all that. But at the same time, he talks, uh, Favreau does, uh, about uh, Kathy Kennedy being adamant that the level of visual effects for The Mandalorian for Star Wars on TV, um, that it needed to have, that it has to be equal to a movie. Um, so you know, previously, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, maybe drawing a little distinction TV film. I really think they're about as close to the same at this point that we're maybe ever gonna get. We had the Oscars last week, and yeah. Films are back because Oscars and the Oscars were up 12% in terms of watching and viewership and uh, attention paid and go Michelle Yo, ex of our Star Trek Discovery. I hope we'll get her back. Probably not ever. Okay. And Ki-Hu Kwan, who needs a short-round Indiana Jones Disney Plus series like tomorrow. Again, I'm available. Okay. Uh, but you know, the idea we're never going to revert to where film can't be on your TV screens. And even as a first run, and I do everything I can at this point to not go into a movie theater pandemic aside, they were disgusting before.
0: I do think for the highest tier of storytelling, it comes down to, is your story something that you know like a mandalorian season is that something that should unfold over the course of eight um approximately 45 minute uh story chunks or is that something that you can capture in two and a half hours um and maybe that's where some of these writers like Lindelof are having having the issue where it's you know how how do you capture that all uh when you have a bigger tv background but um I suppose time will tell for all of it, and the time right now is to hit the hunt.
1: The living waters slosh beneath the minds of Mandalore as bo stares quietly. Din coughs himself conscious, and Grogu babbles before he sits up and tells them he has been redeemed bo witnessed his bathing in the waters and says he's Mandalorian again. She asks if they can leave now as he bottles up some of the waters in a vial. She asks if he saw anything in the waters and he tells her only the chasm as he fell, not realizing it was so deep. She tells him it wasn't always the bombings in the purge must have triggered seismic activity
0: which you precisely called by the way pete that is exactly what you said (laughs) to a point where i was like did pete secretly watch this episode
1: in the room please
0: indeed indeed
1: (laughs) uh but she asks if he saw anything alive like what he asks oh nothing and she gives another long look
0: before leaving pete it's the extra that i wanted last week not that i'm really complaining but you know the way the episode ended last week where boom they come out i'm like so what's next and then we don't get the next fine
1: you gotta Uh, know your your act break though and i think it's more convincing to leave and what did we do about it matt we we talked all about it last week um so uh, I'm on team uh, Favreau uh, on this. Uh, yeah, trust trust the, the charted course.
0: Particularly since, as we oftentimes talk about, particularly with Mandalorian, the shape of the season, of course, only reveals itself as you make your way through it. So mm-hmm. it's an even stronger argument to say this kind of recovery scene may have been is there a place for it in last week's episode? Sure, but this is an episode that also makes the novel choice to, um you know, as we all know, as we're going to discuss, uh take Bocatan and Dinjarin and you know take them out of the middle three quarters of the story. um So all the more reason to to save uh, in conception, if not in I don't know if this was how, how this was shot. Maybe this was the last episode scene or whatever but to save it all even add to it you know the vial of water here we are reminded that he has it he's going to use it later on after we go to another planet with another pair of people on another adventure and so forth um but we head back outside pete no montage this time of the twisty turny grogu uh mine shaft adventure uh ride that they might be working on we're just outside her ship takes off heads back home mando is prepared to just be dropped off and go on his way no more time to be spent with bo-katan winky um she'd invite him to stay and feast but she bets that that helmet isn't coming off Uh, i guess it would be kind of a lame feast you know i imagine the droid or droids plural delivering everything and then you know dinjarin's like all right i'm just gonna go into one of those alcoves there and have a turkey leg (laughs) okay (laughs) how's the turkey leg you know like it's one should feast together right um but indeed the helmet's not coming off again this is the way but wait pete we've had okay mythology no complaints about last week's episode a whole lot of like worth the thing go down part way come back out again go down further come back up switch droids and switch floaty balls this and that. the other pete now it's time for a good old here come the thai interceptors in space gonna have some space battle here kalavala isn't that far um you know but man though they're too close he's gonna take the gun port not quite full-on you know slide down the ladder a new hope style here but he starts firing back uh and supposes that this is payback for hitting those imperial warlords something that will seem less and less likely as the fight goes on and as we lay some story track for the future
1: yeah, where did they come from? Oh, well, when you're like Bo-Katan and you've scugged off a lot of those imperial warlords, uh could be any of them. She leads the trailing fighters to the surface toward her castle, uh and won't be able to slow down to drop din off. Uh he takes out the one interceptor, uh which he has to tell us are a lot tougher than the ordinary TIE Fighters. Um, And he doesn't see any other choice but to drop down to his ship. Uh, Grogu seals himself in his pod, and Din jumps out there, the quartet of interceptors barely missing him as he flies down to the surface there. No jetpack yet, and Bo leads them away. Din uses his jetpack to slow his descent, and love how you know they don't make it a graceful landing. Skids, falls on the landing platform as another interceptor lines him up. He gets up and uh, into it in the nick of time, stalling out, and then turning around and bullseying the uh, tie interceptor with a torpedo.
0: Mm. This whole portion of this whole excellent, you know, space battle, sky battle sequence is particularly good. Pete, I rarely put words in my notes that I can't say on the podcast because I don't want to be caught <laughs> needing to go back and whatnot. But it was that good for me to say that, you know, just as he pulls away, his starfighter pulls away right as the tie is almost there. You know, fantastic. As you mentioned, the whole going vertical thing and effectively stalling out but then it, it, it's all just wonderful. Uh we go back to Bo, who has four uh tie interceptors on her on her tail. All are moving fast. R5 is worried but she's not. Uh dipping through the the uh the canyon here. One of the shot the, the ties gets sheared off by the canyon wall leaving 3 Pete, this is quickly becoming the second best trench run in Star Wars history, perhaps. Um, then all of a sudden, there's help from behind as Mando blasts one, and then helpfully tells us that there are two to go because the episode really wants you to be clear on—it's not quite the time chronology, but you know the kind of five, four, three, two, one. How many ties are left? Uh, scoreboard chronology, etc.
1: Yeah, scraping some wings here, even though she grew up. Uh, flying through these cliffs it has been a while doing it Uh, r5 the scaredy droid here and then you know when they whittle them down uh, from two to one she's got that last one on her she powers down the engines and does a 180 taking out the last one and you know dropping uh, as r5 lifts from the g-forces before she re-engages her engines just above the water grogu opens his pod to watch r5 slide past him in the aftermath here bo-katan tells dinjarin that his antique isn't so bad and neither of them took any damage but Wait, there's an alarm on my scope, Matt, and distant explosions visible on the horizon.
0: Indeed. Um, ultimately, it is her castle being bombed by those Thai bombers. Many, many Thai bombers, by the way. The castle is on fire. Bo is looking for revenge. Again, great effects here. You spoke in the pre roll about kathleen kennedy stressing that uh pete i'll editorialize a little bit here stressing that the star wars tile on disney plus isn't going to be delivering subpar vfx for disney plus <laughs> looking at hate, you hate, marvel hate, tile hate, hate. um look at the end of the day pete disney just needs uh, a couple of those tiles to be the tile keeping you subscribed it's okay if one is Did i hear
1: a a faux ludwig goranson uh drumbeat there when you said that real quick
0: (laughs) possibly regardless uh Bo is looking for uh revenge can't she tell that for her to follow those bombers i mean she doesn't take one out with a, a lazy missile um but can't you tell that uh that it's a trap there's more coming uh this way lots and lots more mando telling Bo to pull away indeed it's time to rabbit he's uh well he, he's eager to run at this point they go vertical heading into space mando gives some jump coordinates um and uh i love how as they are going out of the atmosphere again taking a play out of the spielberg playbook i'm sure other people did it before but think back to the first jurassic park where the camera could not always capture the size of the giant dinosaurs that actually weren't there but the camera helped sell it same thing here you're chase plane camera quote-unquote can't quite keep the tie interceptors in frame because they're moving so fast and whatnot it's not jj abrams beating the side of a camera shaky but it's just enough to, to really sell you on the speed um as uh our two hero ships jump into hyperspace and they take us to the title card pete
1: coruscant sparkles at night and the opera house applauds dr pershing speaking about the amnesty program saving his life as many of them had no choice in working for the empire a last minute attendee is revealed to be the former comms officer aboard moff gideon's light cruiser played by katie o'brien she's she's had a couple months here matt
0: Yes, I mean whatever weaknesses one might assign to uh, the least highest grossing Ant-Man film, Ant-Man: and The Wasp: Quantumania, uh, she was delightful as that um, one character from from down in the quantum realm who didn't have a fire face and wasn't the goo guy. <laughs> she was the one None- that looked personish.
1: Nonetheless, here Pershing explains his work. With cloning technology was twisted by someone intent on using it to secure more power. Despite the shame of his past, he hopes to help the new Republican any way he can. He touches his right ear and pauses to explain when he was young, he lost his mother, when her heart gave out, and she would have lived if simple organ cloning had been available on his planet he vowed to spend his life helping others and thanks to the kim and owens work you know the cloners from uh episode two attack of the clones who have also been featured greatly on the first two seasons of uh the bad batch they know The cloning can duplicate an individual from a single genetic strand. What Pershing's work explored was the hopes of combining multiple strands to create replicas that incorporated the best genetic attributes of both donors. Hmm...
0: Uh, later after this speech here, Pete, can you confirm that this is the the Opera House? You know, the whole Darth Plagueis, I'm going to tell you a story and talk through the show, Opera 100% House?
1: 100%, yes. They even go. have, there's a little plaque in that booth. This is the box where uh, the uh, toppled Emperor convinced uh, fallen Jedi anakin skywalker darth vader that he needed to betray everything he stood for uh in that movie you saw
0: well later in the kind of lobby area by the way quick little production design note i mean I know obviously this is a by and large super digital uh environment that we're in i love that there's not doors on the place like in the rear of the shots there's not doors of the lobby it just goes out into the the balmy night of coruscant um but pershing is talking to the big wigs who are happy to be here on the core he's happy to be here on the core um we we have kind of fawning guy and wife i just try to not be involved
1: coruscant elite,
0: indeed empire rebels new republic it's difficult to keep track of which
1: i can't figure out which is which is which you believe me almost got drafted
0: Uh, flat feet pete flat feet uh later pershing is riding home i love the affect here of the the uh you know this universe's version of johnny cab where it's i mean a it's kind of effective narration so you're going to amnesty housing okay and so forth have you been on Corsant long it's doing a bunch of great um kind of narration here, but it's also just like the cabbie, be quiet. I want to sit in the back and play on my phone for the ride. So I don't
1: die. I just got, you know, out of the empire.
0: I don't think that the droid actually needs to look where it's going in order to navigate. That would be my my I think that's a yokel. But
1: Pershing does.
0: Uh, Pershing definitely does. Um but uh, it's recommended that he, he visit the this, the botanical blossoms over there, and so forth. But ultimately, here we are. We're going to say it again at Amnesty two, Housing.
1: Two of those spots, the last two, I think are potentially important. The uh, Galactic Museum has a new exhibit on hyperdrive technology. Hmm. Purgles, anybody? Uh, and then... Uh, The droid says that uh, he should take a day trip to the holographic museum of extinct animals for some fascinating displays. Because, you know, we haven't seen any extinct animals and Bad Batch hasn't brought any clones in of Zillow beasts from the Clone
0: Wars. Or Pete, the once uh, thought to be gone mythosaur and so forth. Uh, ultimately, though, Pershing starting to walk past some other officers who are talking at the ye olde futuristic uh, concrete picnic bench. Uh, he's asked to come on over for a drink by Amnesty officer M thirty four. Pete, I would like sorry, I mean not even I would like. I was literally shaking my head as I was like, "Now we got to talk about G sixty eight and so forth." Pete, is it just an affect, or is it maybe some sort of like? scarlet letterization here like you're not allowed to use your real names because you're still you know welcome into the bosom of the new republic person who does not get a name rather you just get a letter and a number because you are still somewhat suspicious and subhuman to us and we want everyone to remember that so which is a pete lazy writing or deep writing
1: no it's it's good writing and it's you know the people that have criticized this episode that. It gave me one of the longest, if not the longest, Mandalorian episodes, but it only had beginning and ending of Mandalorian. And then we took this totally pointless side plot trip to Coruscant. Um, I don't think understood what they watched. And just as you said, the idea that they've been given letters and numbers and we don't learn Elia story name until you know three quarters of the way through this episode of course we know who dr pershing is okay and i'm i'm not using his new republic name there matt i'm not doing it
0: fair enough agreed um g68 the to be named Eliah kane uh is from gideon's ship he notes that pershing does um and i like that Uh, frankly I I mean it's all well and good in the prior scene for there to be the like immediately I was like that's the lady who was on the thing and I also saw her in Ant-Man and we're clearly headed towards something and some sort of intrigue here because she's showing up late in an intriguing way Uh, I like that the story dispenses with Pershing's intrigue into it hey I know you and so forth um speaking of gideon so did he escape the war tribunal or did that get him was there a mind flayer was it a star wars mind flayer was it a stranger things mind flayer like kind of (laughs) questions like what's up with him and does he show up this season they're essentially asking as i suspect he's going to show up this season
1: yeah that there are whispers but we don't know and and that's the best way to leave it in this episode we're going to talk all about that in our theory segment okay but the whole idea that the uh conversation here turns to you know grateful for the rehabilitation program so they can all help the new republic um you know there's more of them on coruscant than dr pershing expected um but hey, hey. You know, have you taken in the sights? No, you haven't had time yet. Uh, I'd be happy to show you. And let's let's talk about what we missed. Guys, hey, when we were the bad guys, what was good about not not being the bad guys, of course. You know, of the empire, good riddance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what would would you miss? I missed, you know, hyperspace cuz the rebellion the new republic they they never go to hyperspace
0: <laughs> uh, pete i think more specifically these people are not allowed to go too far these people indeed i mean th- that's the wonderful people. thing about this episode is uh, this portion of the episode the whole you know middle three quarters here um star trek takes us to, star trek asks us to get to the utopia and it doesn't quite know how we're going to get there but one day want and need will be eliminated and representative democracy will be flourishing and you know most all of earth etc you know trillions of people will will exist in happiness here star wars here is doubling down on the disutopia saying pete i don't know if pershing is ultimately a good guy or a bad guy ditto with elia kane let alone the other two officers here i don't know you know how much was i was just following orders versus you could have done something and all of that but here they are kind of in this great new republic where things are great um here they are kind of there's so much in this episode that we've talked about already including like this implication that they can't travel wherever they want uh off planet let alone on planet uh down to some stuff we're going to see later um which we can discuss in due course but ultimately here what are the little things that are missed Things like the yellow travel biscuits from the rations. Oh, man, says one of the other guys. I haven't thought about that in forever. Uh, and Kane says that she actually preferred the red ones.
1: Yeah. Uh, so this little bit of, oh, there it wasn't all terrible with the Empire. Kind of keeping that door open as Pershing prepares for bed. He listens to a recording about the thousands of layers of buildings and skyscrapers covering the entire planetary surface, one of only a handful of city planets or ecumenopolises, as they are known. It's another thing about the haters of this episode, Matt, the amount of stuff we learn about Coruscant concentrated in this spectacular. But the doorbell rings, and he goes to answer after checking himself in the mirror, just make sure he's presentable. There's nobody there. Just a box reminiscent of Imperial design, and he opens it to find the travel biscuits.
0: At work, it's Happy Bendu Day, uh, and he's get, being given more things to archive. It's noted by helpful worker guy that he's quite the brain so what's he doing here and pershing um a humbly and b you know kudos to the actor here there's almost a little bit of like a he's not bowing to the other person but it's that pressure of humility if you will He kind of like lowers the body slightly and say i'm happy to help any way i can kind of moving down there um and goes back to archiving the things that he's archiving uh later we hear cheerful music playing as pershing uh goes for a walk in what appears to initially be a fairground it is of course more of the uh the, the city center and so forth i know we're about to go to the go to the, the the mountain and so forth uh small as it is nowadays on coruscant but just a really a really wonderful sequence here as he walks with G sixty eight with Elia Kane reflecting on there's a trillion people who live here it makes Pershing feel insignificant. That's uh, the opposite for Kane. It makes her feel important. Uh, she's happy to be here. She trained here. Pete. All while they walk and talk here, they're having you know glowy yum yum snacks that I think are them actually holding silicon light things mm-hmm. that they're pretending to mm-hmm. to lick because it's lighting them and so forth. Pete, if this was another production not a star wars production there would have been an intricate thing to make the effects possible here i think they're just holding the light and there's a little extra zazzle put on at the end with the computer it's cute uh
1: his is melting uh even though
0: really it's not
1: um it's a little droopy
0: pete it's a little droopy
1: yeah omid abtahi here just completely sells pershing's situation throughout this episode being overwhelmed by so many people as children and aliens watch a magician produce a lizard without the force okay and then uh, a droid juggling on stilts you know all of this He's, he's used to just being a lab rat on a star destroyer someplace being made to do the things, you know, he wanted to do good, but, you know, was forced to do bad. Um, and they get to talking here that, uh, his, his research going unfinished when he was so close to incredible breakthroughs in the right hands, Those discoveries could have helped many. And she begins to plant the seeds here. Why not continue there? He doesn't think it's something the New Republic would be interested in because cloning ethics are complicated. She says if she can help, uh, if he can help, isn't that important enough? She says that following orders blindly is how they got into trouble and you gotta trust your gut the new republic is trying its best but struggling lots of capable people want to help understand and he silently nods there before she's gonna take him to the peak of Um umate the highest mountain they say it's the only place on the entire surface where you can see the planet itself. And she asks if he wants to touch it. Are they allowed? She tells him to live a little because it's not the Empire. And as he leans in to touch it, a droid swoops in, asking him to please refrain from physical contact with Umate and picks up the glowing popsicle litter
0: she set him
1: up matt it's chekhov's mountain touch
0: (laughs) um i was thrilled pete because though i did not finish reading the novel the high republic light of the jedi didn't quite hit with me um the part i did read did reference um the how it was the highest mountain peak and blah, blah blah the whole kind of history here is referenced as well so i was full on doing dicaprio pointing at the tv going i know what this is i know what this is um so that was that was a fun moment thanks the novel um but you're absolutely right pete that this is an early test of let's not blindly follow orders can i get you to do a thing of your own will that's a bad thing and and so forth
1: totally isn't an imperial remnant isb psy op at all
0: The next morning, uh, we see Pershing doing... Maybe it's the next afternoon, I don't know. The next day, I know that, Pete, because there's sunlight, uh, Pershing is entering a room. He's talking to a therapy droid. Uh, Yes, he's getting along fine with others. He's not feeling much stress. Does he feel anger or resentment towards his co-workers? No. Does he feel anger toward the New Republic or the people who run it? And that's where I think we are meant to go, either... Uh, I'm barely watching this episode because doesn't have mando or you can say this is weird that he's being debriefed one can infer at least weekly perhaps daily to see things like do you feel patriotic patriot do you have enough patriotism um again a subtle reference i would suggest to the fact that in star wars things are never completely stable and this new republic is not a new utopia and so forth He does ask if he could pursue his research on his own. Is that allowed? No, no, no. That's now prohibited. You know, that type of research on cloning. And Pete, that leaves him to be a sad boy. And he walks home a sad boy. Obviously not literally walking from the one to the other. But there he is near Charlie Brown music playing in our hearts when G68, uh, Ms. Kane there, sees him as she sits in the housing benches um, and, Pete, they struck up a conversation about pursuing that research in the hands of the new republic. It really could be useful. How could he do it? Well, he's going to need a mobile lab station, but he was told to stop anyway. But, Pete, she wants to help nonetheless.
1: Yeah, and it would require going outside their designated perimeter He says he can't do that because if they're discovered, they could both be sent back to the Reintegration Institute. She tells him she's done a lot of things she's ashamed of and has much to make up for. If his research is as important as he says, she'll take the risk. He says it's too dangerous and she tells him to sleep on it and heads in for the night. At work, in the morning, Dr. Pershing notices that all the equipment he's archiving is coded to be destroyed. His white-shoed co-worker points out it's imperial tech, but Pershing says it can still be put to good use. Um, he's happy to demonstrate, but his co-worker says they're really quite behind here with not only the Imperial disposal yards to inventory, but they're still decommissioning the Alliance fleet. He could submit a C-1023 request, but he's never seen anybody from the Amnesty Program make one of those, and he isn't even sure if it's possible. Coworker apologizes. He knows it's not easy, but assures Dr. Pershing It's truly helping the New Republic. He eyes another tray, Pershing does, that's been dropped off in his office space office and reaches into a drawer for another travel
0: biscuit. Indeed, Pete, thinking about those biscuits there. And later he's at the the therapy toward again, uh, asked about his stress. Oh no, he's all happiness even as he tugs his ear again when asked if he feels anger toward the New Republic. Uh, Pete, look, as you know, as listeners know, I, I really tend to avoid reading other people's analysis of the things that we podcast, particularly beforehand. But I did spy some article, might have been on Inverse, which I try and... Lately, I just click on that less and less because it's increasingly ridiculous. But I digress. The... Somebody said he tugs on his ear because uh, Cara Dune had fired a blaster near him, and that's him feeling the pain of the blaster shot. Um, that could physically be. I feel like there's a deeper psychological thing. When
1: did he do it first? Right before you mentioned the mom during his speech?
0: Yeah, like we I think.
1: Later, mom was a doctor.
0: I think there's more to it than um look he has a scar from fire on his hand so every time he might reach out for the hot coffee he says wait i remember when the house was on fire like there's a little bit more to it than that i would propose um but he does confirm uh, you know no anger to the new republic wait we are here to help the new republic uh, above all else right yes we are uh back at housing he dings uh g68 Uh, her bell and uh, says they should get the mobile lab after all. And Pete, your thoughts there that he's now ready to go get that mobile lab as he stands at, at Miss Kane's door.
1: Matt, have you ever heard the tale of Darth Plagueis, the wise?
0: I have. I, I remember it distinctly.
1: I mean, though it's not a tale, the Jedi would ever tell you they play the exact same musical cue
0: during this scene oh do they they do that's a fun catch wow that's uh i mean i i suppose we'll dig deeper into it in theories but if nothing else pete talking about uh temptation you know uh, pete is it the star wars version of looking at a bowl of apples as one as we cut back to someone that kind of rub their rub their mouth because they're so parched and hungry. Is it that sort of temptation?
1: We'll talk about it in a little bit.
0: Well, I know that she proposes they're going to go get it uh, the next night. Uh, and indeed, when it uh, turns to the next night, Pete, he's putting on sneak-in clothes. I know that that is going to be used for sneaking because he takes his collar and he pops it up, you know, like a sneaker-deaker kind of guy. You can't see him. where did he go all of a sudden it's just these are just empty shots here um he walks past the box of treats um and he and g68 walk the streets uh all in their in their kind of civilian clothes here um again i would say pete it's not stated in the dialogue i feel like it's vaguely implied that they have been told as you know uh people in the amnesty program you must always appear in your amnesty clothes so people know that you know it's kind of like you know people people in the military uh in military prison they wear fatigues but they have a big p painted on their back like again that's not completely there but i kind of am getting that that slight sense of oppression here in a really delicious way
1: this train station she tells him to relax Follow her lead. An alien gets kind of close to him and, you know, bugs him out. And then there's a pair of droid security guards. Um, but she tells him they've got to remember why they're doing this. A New Republic officer with his helmet and his white gloves uh, looks at him. Uh, and, uh, Dr. Pershing notes that she is much better at this than he is. And they see somebody go through, uh, the kind of like space turnstile there with the, the little gate that you can completely use on our current, uh, trains. And she wedges a foot in there as it goes to close so that she can break the rules before they get on a train there a big alien with super tiny eyes coming home from a rough day of alien work on the trillion uh soul planet tongs days am i right
0: indeed you are that needs to be a t-shirt asap in fact (laughs) boo on the fact that you know disney shop just doesn't automatically have yeah you know, like it should have disney the disney shop should have had on wednesday afternoon the tongs days and my right shirt kind of in a slightly you know font the at the 40...
1: are on bendu day
0: yeah <laughs> indeed um regardless the the train starts to move the glory of coruscant whizzes by i love that dr pershing is looking out the window like an expectant uh, or rather an excited child uh whereas for for kane it's kind of no big deal where are they going ultimately they're going to the disposal yards you know the ones where the ships that he is cataloging for destruction uh have been placed uh they're just going to grab what they need and head right on back it seems like she's done this before well of course she has where else do you think she got those biscuits uh some time passes and it it looks like the 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 trip is starting to wrap up although the ticket droids are coming and i love pete i don't know if this is intentional i have to assume it is the the way the ticket droids look appear like somewhat appear, appear like a better version of the robot police from thx 1138 that's right the george lucas film um and if it is intentional it's just gloriously so because you know here they are Not just checking tickets, but also, uh, as we're going to see in the the walk-chase scene, here they are starting to chase after our two heroes, question mark, of the story.
1: Yeah, without the tickets, they can't hand over their tickets, please. So they need to get to the next car. There's a little bit of space there that makes it almost scary and at the same time fun for him to have to hop over. And then, of course, the droid, as they give chase there, just uh, pushes a couple buttons and the little thing extends so that a droid can do it. uh, Before they ultimately wind up in the final car there, there's no place else to go. They've got to jump, and it seems that it's going way too fast for them to attempt to jump down. Uh, But finally they do, and they land on the softest of coverings and laugh
0: pete look every train station in the outer outskirts of city center is a place where the pillow companies stack piles and piles (laughs) of pillows and then cover them in a in a nice kind of well-worn tarp um but indeed everything is quiet and calm again i i appreciate the kind of visual design here that you know like anybody who's been in a train station of any size you know there's like you're in the train station but you're not necessarily at your platform or that sort of thing so the notion that they jump at the beginning of the station but the platform is so far away as to not worry about you know the ticket droid's going to come off or whatever it might be um but they make their way to the 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 shipyard or the scrapyard Uh, we see it's an old star destroyer slowly being taken apart pershing says he's never done anything like this before pete that don't mean you can't get in trouble for the first time you do it um they nonetheless go towards it uh the gang plank gang plank takes them from the uh the outer area into the ship after the least bit of hot wiring luckily they brought flashlights uh, they turn them on and they start to walk there are these great bugs with glowing eyes that uh for the remainder of this story don't factor into things but uh a i look forward to you know the comic story behind them and them showing up in like the card role playing game and and things of that sort uh if nothing else pete they're evocative and maybe one day will show up on disneystore.com i don't know
1: and at this point you know Disrepair and taking apart inside the star destroyer—you know, wires and crates, kind of like on their side. They're they're taking this place apart, um, and uh, that they had crossed paths hundreds of times on Moff Gideon's ship. But never been formally introduced. She introduces herself as Elia Kane, communications officer. Doctor Penn Pershing reciprocates, uh, and there they are. There at the mobile laboratory on this star destroyer. He's only gonna take what he needs, and she says it's all ticketed for the scrap heap anyway. And he explains how his mother was a doctor in the town where he grew up. He always knew he wanted to be like her. And uh, what? What about you, Eliah Kane? And great direction and blocking here, stepping so that her face goes back into the shadow. She never really had a chance to think about what she would do but before that can settle in there's a clatter in the distance oh that's totally the ship settling
0: indeed but he should keep packing the evidence of him having been there <laughs> as she's not going to help him pack um the scene picks up tension this
1: is not it's a trap at all
0: yeah uh certainly at least yeah i again i think there's a there's a question as to the justice of her complicity or lack thereof i will say this if you're if there's some unseen moment here where they're before a judge, or rather pershing alone is before a judge you know all the evidence of him being a naughty boy is all the things that he packed and she did not put any of it in the satchel and nor hand him the satchel etc cetera, etc cetera, if we're concerned about entrapment and justice although i think the episode's making us question the notion of the new republic's brand of justice but i digress pete tension picking up they're starting to walk out um wait are they lost how do we get back noises are continuing there are footsteps approaching so whispered let's go here let's go there and then they run very quietly you know as one does pete when you run at full pace on metal floors it's very quiet when you need to you know what i take back my my criticism they're dressed to sneak they must have sneakers problem solved um they find themselves ultimately out on the gangplank they keep running making their way to the edge then all of a sudden the light is on them security forces moving towards him and pete you mentioned the blocking of the scene earlier i love how it's lights on them but she's unconcerned and they're moving towards him and then she kind of pauses and then she is walking outside of the circle as the circle is ensnaring him um it's just a wonderful like i think probably most viewers you're meant to be suspicious of her around this point um but if for some reason you're not it's this kind of slow reveal not the you know we don't need you kane you know it's Again, another Favreau moment where they're choosing not to do it through dialogue. They're choosing to do it through acting and direction and moving through the space and so forth. She does pick up the container uh, and starts to walk as he is put in two cuffs.
1: Uh, a Mon Calamari tech uh, wishes him good morning uh, as... It explains that Amnesty Officer G-68 has already submitted a report. Talked about the music before with Darth Plagueis' theme. Hear music in the scene, Matt, that they're hearing. It's an elevator music mix of Jabba's Baroque recital.
0: Uh, That's your diegetic music, and that's a great use of it there um ultimately they have seen as uh, virtue of the fact that he's been a naughty boy that's time for just some more light readjustment they will help him overcome the empire's indoctrination with the indoctrination of their own uh he's being put into a mind flayer no 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 this is another thing i mean it's kind of similar to a mind flayer but it's not gonna it's not gonna flay your mind this is just kind of smooth you over here you're gonna see some colors a buzzing you'll start to heal it's actually quite refreshing the mon calamari tech says i've had it done myself um the old it can't be a it can't be a bad thing that I just said. Uh, I, I'm I'm friends with mind flayers like this. It's not a problem. <laughs> uh, this is a 602
1: mitigator, man. I don't want to you know uh, split space hairs, but uh, it's non invasive. It was recently improved. Okay, the space uh, CDC says that this is completely fine. All right. Uh, but Pershing says that, uh, she was tricked. Nay, she, uh, the, uh, G-68 officer, Matt, did it. It's a trap, he tells the Mon Calamari, which causes him pause.
0: But not so much pause that his glasses are not taken off, uh, because indeed they are taken off, um, he's he has the helmet fitted upon him uh and then the camera moves to the other side of the glass to the control room for this where uh elia kane is um and she's told that she has done the right thing she says yes i just want to help him Uh, and she's told she says that this is a success story all can agree it's just a just a success story here the machine powers up we see pershing starting to smile uh the Technician with Kane is going to take a walk. Should we walk? No, 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 says Kane. I'm going to stay here, you know, for my friend. Uh, and with the room empty, Pete, this this mitigator, which I think if you if you happen to lift up the sticker that the New Republic put that says (laughs) mitigator, you'll see that it used to be called an, an interrogator. Um, but she I'm being somewhat facetious here. Uh, she then does turn the machine up from red to blue. Of course Pete begging the question I'm thinking Thunderball I'm thinking many another movie if it's just meant for the lower settings then why do you have it set why is there a setting for the higher settings other than because story uh, again Pete I would say because this used to be a uh, an imperial torture device or or like brainwashing you know uh, carve a hole in your brain kind of device uh, regardless though she's turned it up all the way he's having a he's having a bad reaction to it and so forth. And that's Pete when she takes a bite out of a familiar looking snack.
1: (laughs) Out of hyperspace, jump the N1 customized Naboo fighter and Bo-Katan's larger ship here to unknown Mandalorian covert planet. Uh, He is going to bring her there as his guest secret location but they're still following the old ways of which she is familiar uh it'll go smoother if she keeps her helmet on amongst the people who don't take their helmets off
0: pete i feel like they had an opportunity to have a metal-faced host sing be our guest (laughs) and they didn't go for it and probably that's something that that bob chapek would have gone for and now he's gone but i digress both of the ships land at the 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 lake powell-esque setting here uh pete i know we're supposed to call him paz Vizla. okay he'll always be heavy infantry to me he's kind of looking on here uh bo katan is out ditto with grogu who let's not forget was in her ship and not the n1 starfighter Uh, we see mando stepping out of his ship Uh, they approach the mouth of the cave indeed as slowly more and more people come out one really gets the sense they're not there to to uh to gape rather instead to just a little bit of a perimeter here in case the uh apostate and the you know unbelieving are trying to make their way in indeed they're told you can't be here uh but he is apostate no more um the poison planet is a lie um and uh indeed uh, bo says that she was a witness to it pete if only they had turned on their cameras and i understand there's the whole water bit shortly and it's actually better for the story but come on they have helmets with cameras but no they're not going to play a, a sweet vid here um uh they are still going to be turned away. Mandel says that actually, as he takes out the vial of water, they've been to the living waters. Look, here's proof of the water. And we'll see, says heavy infantry. Pete, isn't we'll see one of the most weaselly of dialogues for an on the fence, you know, person to say.
1: It is, but, uh, Paz Vizla also addresses Bo-Katan as night owl. Okay. That, of course, because of the decorations on her uh, armor, okay? And then she announces herself as Bo-Katan of Clan Krees, you know, uh, while not told here, uh, her sister Satine Krees, you know, um, and Paz Vizla points out that her house has fallen from the way
0: ultimately all go into the cave the armorer is told of the situation mando shows his proof the living waters the tube is handed over uh, even as Bo-Katan says i was witness uh the armorer pour, pours some of the water out uh and the living waters resonate just as we saw in episode one in that boring useless scene that wasn't actually a flashback and had no purpose quote unquote now we understand again through visuals not through dialogue because the writer is a director and so forth the writer is an actor uh din is redeemed by creed and also wait a minute though bo katan might not believe in the creed the creed believes in her did she go in the waters yes was she uh, has she removed her helmet since come to think of it no (gasps) that means that she too has been redeemed uh both may live there and live as the ancestors did. Uh, I love the next yeah. line here that they may leave at any time, which I just think is great because I'm like, oh, there's gonna be a whole doctrine versus orthodoxy. Nope. You can leave any time. Um and until then, or until the helmet comes off and the rules are broken and so forth, Bo Katan is one of them. Mando is back being one of them as he always wanted. Uh and Paz vizla is not a happy camper i think if you can stand in an unhappy way where i can't see your face um but standing (laughs) (laughs) unhappily, indeed um that's the real
1: subtitle (laughs) (laughs) stands unhappily
0: (laughs) um and ultimately bo katan considers the uh the 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 signet there of the mythosaur as the episode ends
1: let's chase down some theories matt bo keeps the secret of the mythosaur for now
0: since the conflict of the end of the second season which is bo wants to be the grand pooba of mandalore and din Djarin does not but Bokatan needs the cred, the dark saber, the dark saber under certain circumstances, and so forth. Um because of that central conflict there, it's worth remembering that her presence in this season is also her journey. It's not she's just not there to, I don't know, compliment the journey of a male character. Um and I think too, we can keep an eye out for you know, will we feel great if the end of the season is Dinjarin, King of Mandalore? that's a cool ending it's very far from the loner in the first you know in 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 episode one in part uh, chapter one but this is a a constantly evolving character would we be cool if it the season ends with you know bo katan queen of mandalore i'd be frankly uh, while mando then leaves to go do other missions or now he says i shall return to my bounty under roots like that would be a cool ending too even if season four isn't just eight standalone bounty hunter adventures so i think we should be mindful of both of those paths pete maybe there's a king and a queen i don't know who are who already could have a sweet green bebe sitting by them (laughs) um i think these are all options and however it is that we're going to tic-tac-toe our way to that resolution you know this is clearly right now you know the dinjarin and bokatan show at least for these three episodes thus far
1: Let's talk about what the camera shows us. She is looking into the waters. She saw it. We find out from him he didn't see anything. My question here is, he playing dumb. He never wanted the dark saber and was ready to give it to her. He is the ultimate reluctant mandalorian leader he just he just wants to be a mando he doesn't want to be the mandalore and was ready to hand it over nope you're not allowed to do that she has to best you in combat okay i give up here you can have it no that it's the only thing she believes in is following that rule she doesn't do the helmet thing okay she didn't believe in mythosaurs Now she's seen one for sure. Um, I have to wonder if he doesn't care about that or even knows like, all right, uh, I didn't see that thing, that alive thing you asked me about when I was down there. Okay, Uh, so that he's paving a pathway for her. He's already indebted to her. It's clear that he likes her their allies um i have to wonder if he just doesn't care he doesn't though he has the dark saber, it's because he can't hand it over and uh though he's been challenged for it he held on to it against paz visla
0: you are suggesting a certain um altruistic rot to how he's viewing the machinations of of government and society and so forth in terms of his ability to just say i don't care what the tradition is i just want to be left alone with my people you can go and run the whole show and if he did see the mythosaur um and is lying about it then that is you know the lie is there to facilitate the larger situation which makes me think of the other story in this episode where i really really am um kind of sadly impressed by the show sad because i think we're meant to feel sad but i'm impressed that the show went to a place narratively where we can be reminded that the new republic is not gonna work long term um particularly if we sit and say through the lens of The first order returning and all of that with the sequel trilogy and how terrible that must have been a generation after getting rid of the last empire and all of that and just kind of the 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 suggestions here of people spying on each other and you know uh dr pershing being tortured towards the end um and all of that you know so so i just think there are parallels in both stories just in terms of yeah, as I said earlier, the, neither neither storyline is dealing with a utopia here. And they're dealing with kind of a conclusion that this this isn't working and nobody can think of something better. Um, and it's kind of a slightly pessimistic take throughout. And again, that's not a complaint. I think it's interesting that they're exploring that.
1: For what it is worth, um, Katie Sackhoff gave an interview this week to Entertainment Weekly where she says the following. She doesn't trust necessarily what she, sh- what she saw. She might have thought that she imagined it. There's so many things that she's trying to process in her head that I don't necessarily think that it's something that she wants to tell anyone about right
0: now. Um, look, we are all aware that sometimes the role you play as an actor in the 21st century sometimes the role goes past the last day of shooting uh ask Andrew Garfield on his uh you know when he was doing press for the uh the the musical that he did and he had to talk about Spider-Man he says Spider-Man would like to maybe return one- I haven't seen a Spider-Man outfit in forever you know all of that so am I saying Katie Sackhoff is a liar no am I saying that maybe part uh, of the deal was
1: the performer who played Starbuck in the reboot of Battlestar Galactica? Who seemed to die in an episode and left the show? And you know, spoilers for a series that's uh, you know,
0: going that ended on. thirteen years ago.
1: Yeah, a little bit more maybe. Um, she she returned a couple episodes later, and it was oh you know they took me out of the credits and we we really committed to the whole thing. Okay, she goes on to say that Bo Katan uh, truly is alone and has nowhere to go. Okay, and then adds, I truly believe, boy, when I read the excised quotes, the use of truly again and again (laughs) just seems a little over the top. Okay, truly believe at this point she hopes someone else steps up. She doesn't want the responsibility, the responsibility. Cost her everything. Leading didn't work. So maybe fitting in
0: will. Again, all that could go away next week. You know, again, part of the performance nowadays is to help you are helping craft this, help craft a series that's being released weekly, which is not, yeah, as we all know, it's not always a weekly thing. Sometimes it's, you know it's all at once etc etc a movie you talk about it after the fact because you've seen the movie now there's no spoilers and all of that do i buy what she's saying that that's going to stick for that she really has these questions having shot all the episodes of season three that she's in let alone you know has she shot stuff for ahsoka for skeleton crew who knows but she may you know she may be she may have knowledge, she may have stuff in the can that, you know, post-dates this season of TV, let alone, well, here's the John and Dave uh, and Pedro and Katie lunch that you had at Lucasfilms where, you know, they went from the outdoor picnic area into the, you know, the no-phone room and said, all right, let's lay, that, let's lay out the next three seasons and where we're going and all of that. You know, again, all these are possibilities. It doesn't make her a liar, it just makes her a great partner in storytelling um pete somebody else who is telling quite the tale here is Elia kane um a your thoughts on is the new republic doing kind of um you know counter-terrorism spying on amnesty people Uh, refugees one might call them although if you want to sit and go these are also being viewed as you know kind of like post-nazi germany assets who we can't completely trust. I'm there with you too, but you know, is is there kind of domestic spying going on or is she working for the is she working for Imperial remnants as she tortures Pershing at the end? Triple agent
1: much? I mean, listen, the new republic doesn't look as ineffective as it's being painted. Because what have they done? They've recruited a former Imperial comms officer to uh, keep tabs on a scientist who was doing potentially dangerous cloning stuff that is forbidden. All right, we wrapped him up. We're going to put him in the not mind flayer, mind flayer, and make him forget that. And haphazardly, the guy who totally believes that she doesn't need any more rehabilitation, leaves the room so she can, she can turn it all the way up and then look menacingly at the camera. I hope he doesn't watch this.
0: I just, I, I, I look, I know the new Republic is not a proxy for our world. Again, unlike Star Trek, where, you know, the Federation is the United Nations and the basic form of democracy is American and all of that. But, but, Look, and I also don't know what is the legal definition of entrapment. Indeed, Pete, most of my knowledge, my legal knowledge of entrapment comes from the Sean Connery movie entrapment, which maybe <laughs> is not is not a a legal tome.
1: How but, much of that was Catherine Zeta-Jones, though?
0: Um, Pete, I remember some of those scenes very well. Um, bottom line being this. I don't know like wh- what they went through in this episode, Kane and Pershing. I don't know how similar or dissimilar it is to you know, an undercover drug buy or an undercover we're going to break into the whatever and it's actually a sting operation, all of that. I don't know. I do feel like if we're calling justice the idea that Pershing walked out with the stuff Pershing packed up, and that makes him 100% guilty, but he wasn't pushed to do it by Kane who said well, all we're doing is just taking a little train ride toot toot all we're doing is just walking into a place where there's nobody guarding it all we're gonna do is all i'm gonna do is walk you to the place where you can steal specific things and not just be like out of zone but now be holding stuff to prepare you know in the report it says you're getting ready to resume cloning stuff which was you know part of the reason why there was a whole army to fight the clone wars was we had an army that was misused because of cloning therefore ban on cloning i feel like there's guilt on her hands and again if it's revealed well she's a secret rogue agent she's working for gideon which is not impossible fine if she's just literally secret state counterintelligence um i'm also fine with saying well that's a mark off of the 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 new republic there um but i do feel like it's a miscarriage of justice again and that's not a complaint against the story it's just i guess a complaint against their version of democracy
1: it's imperfect and i think therefore realistic and what the story doesn't do is tell us that she's definitively up to no good the camera does
0: you know and i think that's hard to argue with again on, i keep returning stepping
1: to stepping into the shadows yeah. when she is asked what did you want to be I wanted to be a spy and set people up like I'm doing right now. Because this, again, is not, totally not, some elaborate ISB op. We're just friends getting cookies and technology to do controversial cloning things back in your uh, state-funded apartment.
0: So, I mean, Peter, you are you willing to commit to the idea that she is working for Imperial remnants versus um, ethically gray but state-sanctioned security? She is
1: completely working for the Empire. The question is: Is it Moff Gideon because of the whispers about him escaping a war tribunal or hooked up to a mind flayer? Or, or, Matt, if it's not him, because they definitely want us thinking it's him. Um, Another Imperial baddie who's not a warlord who, say, is, uh, I don't know, a blue-skinned Grand Admiral who's back from uh, the really faraway places that will be revealed later in this season or definitely in Ahsoka.
0: Well, and that... That is a great question. We I want to say we know for sure. I I, I believe we could be very, very confident the Gideon will appear in this season. Um but as I as I've said in our reflections of season two and getting ready for this season, let's not forget how much work season two did to create three spin-offs. Rangers of the New Republic, obviously since cancelled, Ahsoka, and Book of Boba Fett. So it's not you know we should never lose sight of that and the fact that again as you're saying pete we do like is it the is it the burden is it the responsibility of this season of this show to set up the next star wars show not necessarily but it's the next john and dave star wars show and why not do a hashtag it's all connected and why why say well mandalorian fans who maybe were on board with book of boba fett maybe weren't in terms of the overall numbers um (laughs) <laughs> there, there's an argument to be made, I think, kind of in the producer room, maybe not the writing room, pure creativity, but in the producer room, maybe it's like, yeah, we need to just make sure that every Mandalorian person is watching Ahsoka, so how about we set up one big bad, and instead it's another big bad. Want to find out more about him? See you for eight episodes of Ahsoka coming this late summer.
1: The TIE Interceptor uh, attack, in particular, the technique of the bombers leaving and then a new swarm of tie interceptors coming in that caused them to leave is right out of Thrawn in Star Wars Rebels. There are already side by side comparisons of the two scenes. Um, so. Clearly, they want you thinking Gideon, they mention him, but they're also leaving the door open. It could be, you know, it could just be Moff Bob, you know, he's he's out there. She upset him as well. Um, She's now homeless. She winds up in this Mandalorian covert. She's welcomed, um, you know, everything there want to go back to the Imperial attack at the beginning of the episode. Um, They're talking about keeping their helmets on. He says this is the way. She says this is the way. Subtitles say Grogu babbles. Some people think, Matt, Grogu kind of tried to spit out the way this is or and sensed the Empire right before it came
0: um i'll be conservative and say this is an episode where the most popular character to come out of this show grogu um is about as far in the back seat as you can get and as you're editing this episode it's a good note to say we need some more grogu even though these scenes don't feature grogu how can we do that uh i don't know pauses and dialogue have him respond with cute baby babbles um, you want to then turn it into a, the foundation of uh, of an entire language? That's fine by me. I think it's more just a production thing to be like, keep all the characters in motion, including the one that, um, you know, is the only is the only face that we see in the in that portion of the story. Have him have some cute dialogue to be cute.
1: When not if Grogu's going to speak. And other characters are already questioning it. Last episode, uh, Pelimati, a uh, Peli motto Oh, did he talk? Did did he say my name? Um, is he going to speak like Yoda?
0: Is he going to speak like Yaddle? I mean, can I vote for a third option, which is <laughs> don't have him speak? Don't have him speak in in basic like having just continued to be baby babbles it doesn't need to be you know what we hear is English and so forth um I mean I'm just kind of thinking you know in a romantic comedy or in a ro- in a show with a romance the will you or the will they won't they invariably when they do that's when you go oh it's kind of deflated things can't we just there's so much in this world that goes so much faster than we would like it to time etc can't we just have the baby who never grows up in this can't we just have this one little thing where he's as adorable season 10 as he is now do we really need to have you know look i know i was throwing some fake shade real shade towards the mcu earlier here is just fake shade i think what they've done with groot is great and so on and so forth but like do we really need to go baby groot teen groot teen Groot who won't get off the video games and says the curse words and, and all like, do we, do we need to go that route with Grogu or can we just, can't he just be adorable forever? That's my, that's my plea to John and Dave. I, I think the
1: prospect of him ultimately speaking and furthering the cuteness of it is too irresistible. At the same time, I think you got to be very careful with how you do it. Um, you know, almost seems like he's he's trying. And at the very least, it was some sensation, which they don't have, uh, that bad stuff is coming, if not trying to uh, directly talk. Um, this episode, Matt, of the Andor You know, bringing so much Coruscant stuff in, you know, after we've seen season one of Andor, um, this whole thing with Dr. Pershing and giving the talk about cloning and mentioning first the single strand clone. Okay, you take a a piece of genetic uh, material, you recreate it. All right, they did that with Django Fett. Boba Fett is an unaltered single-strand clone. Pershing's work hoped to combine multiple strands to create, the word here is rough, replicas, which says to me, you have one thing, you recreate it, that's a replica, right? Okay, how from two different things... Can you recreate one replica and incorporating the best genetic attributes of both donors? So, this suggests ultimately what turns into uh, Supreme Leader Snoke
0: uh, is part Grogu, part Palpatine? I think that that's more than possible. And I think too, if if at the end of the day John and Dave wanna make a show that is largely about oh. side issues and not a direct prequel to the sequel trilogy, et cetera. Um and when I say side issues, you know, I mean you know, that though though these events are very interesting, they're not necessarily impacting the galaxy and so forth, like, you know, not, not Skywalker Saga type stuff but if they also want to tie into things this notion that in the background of this show in the background to a certain degree of you know puka boba fett ahsoka skeleton crew is that slow march towards the sequel trilogy without it being the secret history of things without it being i you're alone i shall call you pause pause solo like if we're gonna move away from that style of things to continuing to kind of do real background, background maintenance on where things will end up, uh, I think is great because it's not quite fan service, but it's fan service. It's not quite, you know, like we're making real efforts to tie into other things. It's just that, you know, it's living in the one Star Wars universe and so forth. Um, How deeply will they commit to it? I mean, my gut really, really says... My gut says that that John and Dave want to stay away from that larger picture as much as possible. I would even go so far as to argue perhaps the genesis of this episode was, hey, it's great that we've got things moving so elegantly with Din Djarin and who will lead Mandalore and all this. We need to just pump the brakes a little bit and just do story of a guy out there on his own and if you're not going to get that with din jarn in this episode then we'll do it with pershing who's like screwed by the system yet again um sorry again i sense that i sense that even within their own show where they have a confident now you know 24 episode trajectory that even within that trajectory they're saying let's not forget guy at the edge guy fighting the system guy alone that's the story that they want to tell
1: We have cloning on this show. We have cloning on the Bad Batch. Um, Spoilers, if anybody's not caught up on that, give you a second here. Uh, They have cloned a Zillow beast. They have cloned a a big animation-only, this point, monster that uh, the Emperor had brought back to Coruscant and was taken out now they've made a new one uh this holographic museum of extinct animals that the droid said is on uh coruscant if only uh dr pershing could go there and uh wow there's there's a thing called a mythosaur and i have the ability to take the best attributes of two things and put them together so that we can have a Mythozilla beast
0: uh, it will be interesting to see in what the remaining five episodes you know where we've gotten Din Djarin officially redeemed right which theoretically could have been happening at the end of the eighth episode so that's kind of been rather quickly dealt with I know chronologically it's towards the end of this episode it essentially is in the first 10 minutes of the Din Djarin portion of of episode three of season three right so redeemed got it where are we going to go for the whole for for all of that mythology now obviously very intently here they're injecting um the dr pershing stuff and clearly there's a collision course there otherwise they'd call it whatever star wars anthology show and you have a half hour on him and half hour on somebody else and so forth so you know yes seeing seeing um uh beasts that are no longer with us and here we are having seen one last episode and all of that uh it certainly could be headed together and you know 5 episodes to go that's a lot of story space to bring all these things together um and you know it's a lot of fun not exactly knowing you know if the quest of the first season was, or pardon me of the second season was get grogu to his own kind to the jedi that was worth a full eight episode arc um what is the overall the overall arc of this season we've already kind of um you know rejected some of the initial ideas and so forth so it'll be interesting to see what that arc is when it's all said and done
1: matt who is the titular the convert
0: i mean it's funny we talked about that notion in season two as well in terms of who does the title refer to and i think here it's who is the convert the convert to a certain degree is dinjarin who is able to be fully converted back into you know uh his status it's kind of bo katan who now you know basically went out and did the religious stuff as a kid because you know that's what the dum-dums believed in and that's how you kept power now it's like well except for the dum dumb stuff that actually is real like the story has power well except for you know oh wait the clearly fake notion of you know mandalorian jesus riding a mythosaur dinosaur oh wait that could be real too there's a real mythosaur down there so it could be her you know helmet has not come off and so forth um who knows pete next week could be six months later one year later and there she is the helmet has stayed on the entire time um to a certain degree i think you could say pershing in terms of he's he tried to convert and now he got caught up um i think maybe the only person who is n- who is probably not a convert uh is elia kane who as you pointed out the music and the camera work tells us is still the same type of baddie as we saw earlier in uh in this show can you believe that the dark side had
1: cookies all along
0: (laughs) um sure those looked like some delicious shortbread cookies um
1: you've seen that meme right come to the dark side we have cookies they did
0: they they did all along i beat i would wonder this too and i'm gonna make a reference to a story universe you're not really familiar with i would wonder if maybe in some sort of grand unified thing here did these did these uh travel biscuits go on to inspire tolkien uh to write about lambus bread the bread of the elves one small bite is enough to fill the belly of a full-grown man um maybe you know if star wars leads into our universe and our universe has birthed lord of the rings is it yet uh yet again star wars and lord of the rings talking to each other
1: in a universe where we have the force would people
0: really be amazed by magic um how much for how many force sensitive how how often does one see a force sensitive person on coruscant nowadays i you know what are we bby eight or nine somewhere in there He's um, got to
1: come and go once in a while, and his sister
0: has the force too. Yeah, but I mean, a generation of people where you know where all the all the Jedi were killed—I would say too. Couldn't it just be magic for magic's sake? Like past a certain age, you don't. When you when we in our world go see a magician, you don't actually believe that they have powers. You just say, you "I'm watching." them tr- I'm, I'm watching to see how they are tricking me and still i was tricked i am impressed by what they did even if i don't know the secret same thing here however this guy made the little dragon thing appear it's a cool trick of skill even if it isn't tying into a uh, an unseen energy that binds the whole universe together it's just this guy is good at illusions
1: illusions matthew tricks are for kids the coruscant accords are mentioned in this episode goodness i really hope that no one else violates the coruscant accords and we could have
0: a the
1: civil war
0: (laughs) um yeah one does not know because we're at this this great this great bear patch in the star wars chronology is that set up for later this star season? avengers is that set up for star avengers is that set up for another show or is that just kind of a uh, you know a, a nice and brief story way to say can go here can't go there because impressive sounding thing um again that's part of the joy of a where we are at in the chronology and b the fact that we really really can see from two complete seasons of the Mandalorian how the whole season works together it's just not always clear until you're done and you say oh that's why this was important that's why that was important we've had luke skywalker
1: in the end of season two we've had him on the book of boba fett greater scale is there a pathway that we could get de-aged princess leia on coruscant on
0: tv hmm i think the time will come where that will be okay is the okay now i mean i think it would have to come with a bunch of asterisks in the real world first of all like you know her daughter was heavily involved and played the onset double like i feel like there would need to be extra um, which
1: we've done in a movie
0: you mean rogue one
1: no in um rise of Skywalker, she was yeah
0: but rise of skywalker came with the asterisk of they weren't able to make the movie they wanted because she passed away like again i feel like in the real world for it to not feel maudlin or inappropriate each 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 of these instances requires kind of the real world explanation like we can acknowledge that the actress unfortunately passed away we have a movie that wants to celebrate the character so stitching happened whether it's you know of scenes of you know onset double and so forth fine similarly here you know like that was kind of an unplanned you know obviously an unplanned tragedy still there was a movie that needed to be made to sit and say we're going to bring princess leia in intentionally in this season with the full knowledge that Carrie Fisher is no longer with us and with many years to go by um to make that choice you know like like here's a worst case scenario her family had no idea and now it's a crappy digital double and now it now this is just a bad look for everybody versus well we I, all came together and so forth
1: I think we both agree and I think the overwhelming majority of fans and viewers would agree you only do it not only with the blessing of the family, but with the involvement of the family. I mean, I can imagine, Matt, at the end of this season, maybe we have this scene where, you know, the X-Wing pilot, one of the scenes from the trailers we haven't seen, you know, there's some bad things going on back there. He's actually looking at uh, a a de-aged digital Princess Leia double telling him, you know, well, you have to follow up on this because we need a new hope or what have you. Um, and then, you know, uh, Billy Lord saying, you know, my mom is not here anymore. It's been uh, several years since she's passed away. She died in 2016. It's hard to imagine. It's been that long even. And, and, Mom wasn't around for the Mandalorian and the Mandalorians become so popular and I can't help but thinking how much she would have enjoyed the show and baby Yoda and all of that. And they came to me and they laid this out and I could not help but jump back in for my mother's legacy.
0: And I think it would need to come with that where we, you know, we would not feel that they're taking the story in a direction or they're, they're, they're taking the real world the scene between real world and fiction and whatnot and and that's not going in the in the wrong direction um i think the way you're describing we would very very much welcome and the notion of billy lord who is just just 30 years old now the notion of her um i know she's had smaller roles in in uh in uh the the sequel trilogy and so forth um to sit and say she is now the onset performer for princess leia as we might need the character moving forward i think we'd all feel good with that you know and are they laying the track for that this season i mean i i have said i don't know that we need luke skywalker appearing in this season because it needs to be what better than it was last time and then the time before that and the time before that and so forth at a certain point it's you know at a certain point it's just diminishing returns but you want to try a similar game with a different character i'm i'm up for that all right extend that antenna pete we go to the twitter poll where uh we said this week star wars adventure includes time with a returning character on rehabilitation but will the new ways stick and uh here's how people could vote for the episode one star chaos on the starfighter zero percent two stars out of focus got 14.3 percent three stars not enough mando got 24.5 percent and four stars great twists got 61.2 percent some replies here first uh noel gardner at noel camille i really enjoyed this episode great action starting then transitioning to a deep dive into some post empire world building now i know how the first order rose to power so fast the new republic is either naive or incompetent my only question is how long will Bo keep the secret uh next we hear from eric pritchard at coach underscore pritch another fantastic ep how long till Bo and vizsla go at it why was elia kane allowed to stay in that room and take the cloning tech let me pause coach's words here pete was she taking the cloning tech or was she taking the evidence of the crime in order to catalog it for whatever they're calling justice
1: yeah and right after she is left alone in a little booth there and turns it up to you know mush brains oh look it's the cloning evidence i will take that with me now too you know because evidence
0: there you go. Back to Coach here. And Grogu is still the most adorable in the universe. Um, hashtag Mando, hashtag, but wait, Pete, there's more. Have we seen the last of Pershing? Pete, that's a question to you. Will we see Pershing again?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Next, we are from Diana Bodenberg at D G R U M Z 1. Degrum's one. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode. Definitely gave me Andor vibes. The Amnesty housing reminded me of Cyril, uh Karin's mom's apartment complex. Uh definitely not enough Mando and Grogu, but I liked seeing what was going on with Pershing. This is the way next we are from spider ham lincoln uh tess lc 139 i enjoyed it for many reasons the pershing side story was a good departure that kept my interests and that dogfight with din and Bo versus the tie fighters was quite fun season three is shaping up uh quite nicely Uh, jc the mythic on twitter replies concur this uh filler content uh, pardon me the filler content is kind of essential to keep the story fresh the model isn't too dissimilar to boba fett where we spent forever in the backstory because the main story was so short but i like it better with standalone side stories that presumably tie in later that's a really interesting interpretation of things pete that if you need to kind of get off the main story track in order to keep it special, to keep it fresh and so forth. Um, Better to do it kind of a standalone, interesting character study than related to our characters, but side story, flashback and things of that sort.
1: But it is the main story. This is building the threat against Din Djarin, the Mandalorians, Bo-Katan. The Empire destroyed their city. Uh, has kept them from their planet, has sent them, you know, fragmented out into the galaxy, fighting amongst themselves. They're in the process of attempting to reunite, might come back stronger than ever. And what's the threat to them? It, it's building. It's in the shadows right now.
0: Back to Twitter here. We hear from wrestling Pod at DriveByPod. That dogfight was wizard. Honestly, wish there was more Mando, but I feel like this setup is important to more than just the show in the Star Wars universe. Stoked to see where Din and Bo go from here. Next, we are from James the Sagacious. Big killin' on Twitter. Very entertaining. No clue where the world building will lead to, but it will be epic. Thrawn is everywhere except on screen. I just enjoy having no idea what will happen week to week, the way this is. Uh, If and when Grogu goes full Yoda-speak, we can look forward to linguistic experts (laughs) telling us grammatical speech patterns could never be based on genetics, and that will be fantastic. Pete, I see what he did there. He's referencing Star Trek Picard. He is next we are from rose ferry uh, at anna rose 584 it's a trap love that line throw in nice long episode and leaves you wondering what's going on with that tech uh, we hear from david siller at siller david poet a mighty fine third installment of this season action adventure story and universe building i found the bathe in the waters to be redeemed story wrapped up a little too quickly and that makes me think there are more complications to come for bow and din's return i didn't mind the diversion to coruscant even uh pardon me though at least on first watch i thought it wasn't set up very well felt a little out of the blue pete let me pause his words for a second here I saw criticism online, again, I think from one of these like lesser websites that, and so forth. But anyhow, it was like, why did they go back to the planet when they just could have jumped away? Pete, can you think of any reasons on the planet why Bo might want to go back to the planet? Home? And why maybe separately <laughs> Din might want to go?
1: His ship? Like, God, I wonder sometimes, I, I think we're missing the ultimate point of clickbait is that people click on it um <laughs> do they watch the show or do they think that people who watch the show don't watch it comprehend it uh, or remember
0: pete i know that david knows all and knows much and remembers all um but so back to his words here that said He says, I was glued to the story. Loved its echoes with Andor in pacing and ominousness. Really appreciate that we're getting longer episodes with more meat as the season progresses. Hope they circle back to the Mythos store. I can't wait for them to fill my pog soup bowl with all this action and adventure. (laughs) Uh, Bring on more of this fantastic show uh and last here on twitter pete we hear from ian silverman at sylvie underscore 76 who says i like this episode a lot the din bow tie interceptors fight was very cool and the whole amnesty program was some uh interesting almost andor-esque deep diving into what life can be like in a galaxy far far away that doesn't involve lightsabers blasters or spaceships my question is who is the convert referred to in the episode title is it Bo-Katan having joined the other Mandalorians is it Dr. Pershing or is it Elia Kane or is she only pretending credit to the writing to the actress uh, Katie O'Brien as I legit couldn't tell the whole episode whether she was fully on board with the New Republic and and so set up Dr. Pershing because she believed in the cause and didn't trust him or is she actually still on team Moff Gideon like a death eater binding their time until Voldemort returns my guess would be the latter but looking forward to seeing how this part of the story plays out oh and the slight pause for effect when uh when the words it was a trap were said to the mon calamari technician priceless admiral akbar must be smiling somewhere pete i also read i sure did a lot of reading online for not having the habit of reading stuff online but i read somewhere else where it was like it was completely inappropriate for the show to make a joke there when this man is about to be tortured Well, first of all, was the intention of the technicians to torture him or to give him some light, you know, blue light therapy? It was therapy, at least from how they're seeing it.
1: Yeah, and Pershing says what happened to him was a trap. And, you know, it wasn't a ha-ha within the screen. We're laughing. Um, And, yeah, there is humor in terms of writing it. But I, I did not find it
0: to be inappropriate. I'll even go somewhat meta Pete, like maybe should we question why we are like, this is not a, we are sympathetic towards Pershing, yet we are able to laugh at the situation. What does that say about us and our complicity in in the situation? We know the new Republic fails. Yeah. Yeah. We know. Failing new Republic.
1: Yeah. Like, so there is a little bit of, you know, scoff that we can have for this. This experiment is not going to fully pan out that the rebellion will morph into a resistance against the First Order, which the Imperial remnants are reorganizing and ultimately will become
0: to the email inbox we go to hear from Steve Adams. This week's episode had a bit of an Andor feel with Pershing's story. His stiff, awkward manner was reminiscent of Cyril Karn to an extent. At first, I was wondering what game he was playing, only to quickly realize he was the o- uh, that he was the one getting played. Names like L52 and G68 for people in the program seems a bit like the naming system for clones. I'm not sure I like where this amnesty program is headed. Seems sketchy. Let me pause his words that's the point of the episode i'm not saying steve hello steve steve uh, we all agree you know yes that's exactly how we're supposed to feel steve uh well done back to steve's words din and bokatan had some great action sequences din must have watched the 1989 batman movie as he pulled off a stall maneuver in his fighter just like (laughs) batman did Uh, i did notice the Katan did not remove her helmet after existing the water uh, exiting the waters seeing the mythosaur must have really shaken her Uh, i was very happy to see how quickly she was welcomed into the covert after testifying to bathing in the waters herself i think she may be reconsidering some of her attitudes towards her people's traditions another great episode i'm ready for more until next time stay fantastic pete that from steve adams thank you steve and pete with that you know just as grand admiral Thrawn is out there lurking somewhere maybe preparing for his return sooner than we think Uh, now Grand Admiral Fred from the Netherlands. We hear his voice. The Grand Admiral has returned.
2: Hello, Matt and Pete, and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands with a little feedback for The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 3. Well, the beginning of this episode was really a Star Wars trope in the sense of big air fight and going into a gorge, which is a word, by the way, I had to look up. I didn't know that before, but these gorges are gorgeous, sounds different. Um, That's something different. Uh, These gorges are such a Star Wars trope, whether it's a gorge between rocks or on a Death Star or between buildings or whatever, And in recent series, I got a bit annoyed by it like, okay, it's Star Wars, a gorge again. But seeing it now for the 10,000th time, I'm going to change my feeling and I'm going to say, this belongs to Star Wars. And if there is not a gorge fight in a movie or in a season of a series, I'm going to dismiss it as this is not Star Wars. Nevertheless, it was a great scene and great CGI. And then we get to the B story about the doctor. Well, actually it's the A story, if you look at how much time of the episode it takes. Actually, this whole story took me a little bit too long, but that is mainly because I didn't know where it would go. And what they did very well is constantly place you in doubt whether This doctor is a spy or something like that. Or is he really doing his best to be an exemplary uh, citizen of the New Republic? And the same is true for this Elia. Is she just a rascal or is she more? Well, we surely will know what was this all about. Because this took so much time. It can't be that we won't get any follow-up on this. A little nitpick was, of course, how this shrap heap cruiser has power enough for electric doors, but okay. And by the way, the whole train journey and going to this out of the city shrap heap reminded me very much of a similar situation in the 2020 series Brave a New World with Jessica Brown Findlay, for people who know that series. Very, very nice, if you like, genre, science fiction, and literature. It's based on the Brave New World, of course. Okay, that will be all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands.
0: Pete, wise take here from the Grand Admiral that um, essentially the hand of the writer, and not in a negative way, but the hand of the writer was highlighting how important this story was because we invested the time in Pershing and in Kane um I, I i mean i think it's 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 both an obvious thing to say but needs reiterating that what we spent 35 minutes with them and if it wasn't important to this season of the mandalorian then then quite simply we could have had much less of it in there
1: oh of course it's important and like i said it it's not a side story it's the whole side of the whole story um you know, the bit about the Star Destroyer, uh, they're taking them apart, but you've got to have even a low power mode to be able to do that. And um, Eliah Kane explains, you know, they're decommissioning them. They don't need to guard them. And of course, we know it's all set up. So, you know, how could that not possibly be part of her plan oh i need to be able to get him in there therefore i'll explain away
0: well pete part of the reason we aren't sneaking into decommissioned star destroyers for parts and scraps is due to the support of those who go to patreon.com fantastic geek and help keep this uh adventure above board and out of the hands of uh secret future first order isb folks so our thanks to them
1: Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to choose from. But it takes just a dollar a month to get you in that door. Can't help us out right now. Monetarily, you can help us out with a click or two. Get over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating in seconds. Leave us a review, all of which help Fantastic
0: Geek go. Pete, let's keep the Star Wars conversation going with five more episodes to go of this season, let alone Ahsoka in the presumed summer, maybe even Skeleton Crew in the fall. Uh, Pete, how can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R,
1: 12,807 followers, can't be wrong.
0: And while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do me in touch with the podcast, comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, as well as our listener line. You can text or leave a message at 732-707-1815. But wait, Pete, there's more. Get yourself over to
1: facebook.com slash fantasticgeek with the PH, all one word,
0: like it today on the pop culture podcast feed we'll be back tomorrow to talk star trek picard that of course has its own feed as well we're here just for the mandalorian we'll be back next star wars saturday to talk about the next exciting adventure there with that pete i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word tongs days am i right